You're about to hear a sermon from Han Vision Church in Lawrenceville, Georgia, delivered by Joe Song on our study on the Gospel according to Matthew. Thanks for listening to Han Vision. All right. Well, uh, at this time, I want to invite everyone to uh, yeah turn on your turn on your cameras if you had them off and uh, open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter twenty three verses thirteen to fifteen. Matthew chapter 13, verse uh, chapter 23, verse 13 to 15. All right. Give you guys a second to get there. Let me give you the context, just a reminder of where we've, uh, where we've been. Jesus is addressing uh, his followers uh, during this time. Um, uh, he just addressed them in the verses before to not be like the Pharisees who chase after titles, honor, and re- the respective people. Uh, but instead, Jesus says in the verses before what we're about to read today, he says, the greatest among you shall be your servant and whoever exalts himself uh, will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So, you know, as followers of Jesus, um, we need to be focused on humbling ourselves today. Like it says, um, like what Grace prayed, um, we need to humble ourselves before the Lord and uh, to be focused on being servants, being servants of God and serving those around us. And then he goes from that and then he turns back to the Pharisees and uh, who have refused to listen to him. Even though Jesus showed them miracles, fulfilled prophecies, he taught them parables, answered their questions. And now, uh, instead of like responding to Jesus, they're, they're trying even harder to kill him. And so this is what Jesus says to them in what we're about to read. So let me pray for us, and then we will uh, we'll read our passage for today. Uh, Heavenly Father, I pray that you will open up our ears today, and that we will not be like the Pharisees who, though you were speaking so clearly to them, uh, they, they plugged their ears and they ignored your words and they did not turn to you. They did not humble themselves and repent and come to know the eternal life that is right before them. Lord Jesus, you are here. Your presence is here in our rooms, in our homes. And God, may we respond to the words of your son, Jesus, um, May we turn our hearts to you. May we humble ourselves before you. And may we, may we listen and obey and encounter you in a real way today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Um, Matthew chapter 23, verses 11, or 11, 13. Now Jesus, he turns back to the Pharisees. And to the Pharisees, this is what he's saying. He says to them. Remember, the Pharisees just got done you know, rejecting him. And Jesus says, but woe to you. Scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte. But when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much of a child of hell as yourselves. Oh, man, this is... um. Yeah, Jesus is taking off the gloves uh, here, and he's really um, kind of laying into the to the uh, Pharisees and the scribes here today. Um, but let's start with that first woe. He said, "He's the the word woe to you." Uh, it's not a word that we're familiar with, and 
for the next uh, couple of weeks, we're going to go over Jesus saying this, this word to the Pharisees over and over again. He says, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you, uh, seven times. Um, and he, and so this is, we have to get used to this word. We have to get familiar with the context of this word. Woe to you. It, it can be translated as what sorrow awaits you, right? What sorrow, it means that sorrow is coming. Something that is going to be painful is coming. Judgment is coming. Let me, let me give you a couple of examples from the old Testament. Numbers chapter 21 verses 29, uh, 29 says, woe to you, O Moab, for you are undone, Right? So God is saying, woe to uh, these Gentiles, uh, these pagans, these enemies of God's people. In Isaiah chapter 10, verses 5 to 6, it says, woe to you, Assyria, the rod of my anger and the staff of their hand, uh, hands is my fury against the godless, a godless nation. I send him against the people of my wrath. I command him. Again, Isaiah 3, 11, woe to the wicked. It shall be ill with him for what, is, uh, for what his hands have dealt out shall be done to him. Hosea chapter 7, verse 13, woe to them for they, have stay, uh, for they have strayed from me, destruction to them, for they have rebelled against me. I would redeem them, but they speak lies against me. So the word woe is, is used towards the enemies of God. Oftentimes, Gentiles, pagans, sinners, wicked, murderers, right? These are all people who have fought against God, who God is not with, and they will all receive the wrath of God when he comes. Throughout the Old Testament, whenever woe is said, it's always to the foolish, to those who have turned away from God, right? So that's, it's such a shock that the woe to whom the woe is directed to is to the scribes and the Pharisees because the scribes and the Pharisees spent their whole lives reading about who God is going to woe towards. And it's not towards them because they were the righteous ones. Look, they were the ones who saw themselves as the ones who are set apart for God. Like they're not like the people receiving woe in the old Testament. The word Pharisee literally means someone who was set apart. They saw themselves as set apart people. They were the religious leaders of the time. And they thought they were good with God. They were convinced that they were the ones that were good with God, that everyone else was not okay, but they were. Like, here's an example of how they, they perceived themselves. Luke chapter 18, verse 11. The Pharisee standing by himself, he's standing in the temple, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extorters, unjust adulterers, or even like this tax collector. So like, that's how the Pharisees saw themselves. They genuinely saw themselves as not like other men, not like other sinners. And they would pride themselves of being righteous. And they thought that they were God's chosen, right? They were so sure of their righteousness. They just knew. I mean, they knew that God's judgment was coming. His wrath was coming, but not for them. God's judgment was coming for those other people, for those adulterers, for those tax collectors, for those sinners. So it's such a shock to them that when Jesus says, woe to you, you Pharisees and you scribes, the very people that thought they would not receive the judgment of God, Jesus is saying, woe to you for judgment is coming for you. The day of the Lord is coming. And here's the thing, guys. Jesus starts out by saying, whoa, sorrow is coming. Judgment is coming. We are one day closer 
to the day of the Lord's return. And I know as Christians, we were told like the day of the Lord's return, like we should look forward to it and we should, but we don't understand what that means. What we, we have to realize that the day of, of Jesus's return, of the return of the Lord is a terrifying thing. And if, if God's return doesn't terrify you just a little bit, it's probably because you and I have an unbiblical understanding of God. Like if we think like, oh yeah, I can't wait for God to come. I'm going to run up and give him a high five and be like, yo, what's up, Lord? Like, you know, I don't have to go to school anymore. Like no more work. Oh, thank God. Like I didn't have enough saved up for retirement anyways. Like I'm so glad you're here. Like guys, we don't understand what the day of the Lord means. Let me give you an example. Ezekiel chapter seven, verse seven through nine. It says, this, this is talking about the day of the Lord. It says, your doom has come to you, O inhabitants of the land. The time has come. The day is near, the day of tumult. And it's not of joy, joyful shouting on the mountains. Now I will soon pour out my wrath upon you and send my anger against you and judge you according to your ways. And I will punish you for all of your abominations and my eye will not spare, nor will I have pity. I will punish you according to your ways and while your abominations are in your midst. And then you will know that I am the Lord who strikes. Like this is talking about God. He will do the punishing. He will do the striking. He will not have pity. He will not, he will not forget. He will judge according to everything that we have done. That is the day of the Lord. The day when God will bring his justice. The Pharisees thought that they were going to be okay because they compared themselves to other people. They're like, well, at least I'm not as bad as this guy, as that tax collector. At least I'm not as bad as that prostitute. At least I'm not as bad as those pagan Romans. But they forgot that the standard of God's judgment isn't other people. So if you guys here on this Sunday morning are feeling like, well, at least I'm not that bad. At least I'm here at, on the Zoom call. At least I'm not here like some other church people who aren't even here, right? I can see the participants, people who are missing, you know, like I, I'm saying that because that's what I was thinking a little bit this morning. And I need to repent because like the standard isn't like I'm better than other people. The standard of judgment when the Lord returns is God himself. And that doesn't freak us out because we forget how holy God is, how, how great God is. Isaiah chapter six, verse three to five. Here's a picture of the God, not the God that we have like made him a small little God who's friendly and we can go and hug. This is the actual God of the Bible. Isaiah 6, it says this, the, the seraphim who are before the throne of God, one called to another saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory and the foundations um, of, of the threshold shook and the voice of him who called and the house was filled with smoke. And then this is Isaiah. And I said, woe is me for I am lost for I am a man of unclean lips and have dwelt in the midst of a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. God is so holy that once anyone gets the right view of him, they instantly realize how terribly and utterly evil they really are. Once you see God for real, you realize how sinful you are. And then you start to judge. You call judgment upon yourself. Like Isaiah said, woe to me 
Like when he saw God and realized that God, you are so much holier, so much more pure, so much more glorious than I ever thought. And when I finally see you as you really are, I realize that I deserve judgment. Woe unto me. God, judge me for the evil that I have done. The, his, his sin became so apparent in the light of the judgment of God. Even a holy man like Isaiah sees that he deserves nothing but his wrath. God is the standard. And before him, all of us fall woefully short. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says like all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. And before him, even our greatest righteousness is filthy rags. In Isaiah uh, 64, 6, it says, even our greatest righteousness is but dirty rags, unclean rags before the holiness of God. So God is absolutely holy. Like there is no other attribute of God that is repeated like that three times. Holy, holy, holy holy in the bible it does i mean we always talk about god's mercy and his love and his compassion but it never says god is love 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 or god is mercy 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 the only attribute that is emphasized three times like this is holy 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 is the lord god almighty and his justice is so is absolute and it's perfect and because of that he cannot let any evil go. He can't just forget about evil or any sin. If a, like if any human judge turned a blind eye to something evil, to a crime, then we would be like, hey, that's evil. That's not justice. You're, you're a bad judge, right? Right now, there is so much crying out in the streets in our country because of unjust judges, right? They're like, oh, there's crimes, there's bad things happening to innocent people, but there's no justice, no one is doing anything about no the the right people you know people aren't getting punished for doing things that are wrong and so therefore we cry out unjust and God is perfectly just he will not let any evil go unpunished right and many need to understand that that justice is coming that absolute perfect justice is coming to 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 the to the world and he won't let any, any of the wrong that anyone has done go. This is the message of the Bible. Like we always think like, oh, the message of the Bible is just like the love of God. But we have to realize that the message of the Bible is that man has sinned against an almighty, all holy God. And God will bring that to justice. Every evil that we have done. Right. So God's justice will come. So think about that. Every evil that has ever been committed, every unsolved crime, every unreported injustice or every unrecorded act right now, like we have some things on like recorded on the phone so we can bring that to justice. But think of all of the things that have, have happened since the beginning of time that have been unrecorded or, you know, that we didn't bring to justice. Right? think of all of that. Think of all of the selfishness all of the greed, all of the lies, all the lust, all the pride, all the murders, all of the oppression and the enslavement, every abuse, physical, emotional, and sexually done to someone else who, who, who had nothing, every war, every genocide, every crime committed, and every crime even thought of, every hypocritical Pharisee, every hypocritical religious person who calls themselves by the name of God, but that does not follow, will be brought to absolute justice and woe 
to those whom it comes because it will be absolute and perfect. The Pharisees claim to love God with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. They pursue wealth and status just like everybody else, but they just put a religious sticker on it. Their hypocrisy is leading others away from God. And God's justice is coming for that. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. How many hypocrites are here today in our church on this call? A hypocrite, you know, is just someone who, who claims beliefs that their actions and their lives do not conform to. You know, we call ourselves Christians. Christian literally means Christ followers, but we don't follow after Christ. We're still following after the world. We say with our lips that Jesus is Lord, but we listen more to our culture than to the word of God, right? We're still running after our passions and like the things that we, we're still running after pleasure and not his kingdom. We're still chasing after our selfish motives. We just like, but we just do it in Jesus name. We take his name in vain. We're doing things for ourselves, but we slap God's name on it. And that is taking the name of God in vain. And that's not okay. You know, that commandment that says, thou shall not take uh, my name and the Lord's name in vain. It's not just talking about like saying, oh my gosh, you know, and saying, oh my God, like that's not taking the Lord's, like taking the Lord's name is vain is saying that you're living for the Lord and calling yourself by his name, but then not doing it by, by doing things saying, oh, I'm doing this for the Lord, but you're really doing it for yourself. You're taking his name in vain. And as we do this, even as Christians who take on the name of Christ, but don't live for Christ, like we, are, we are shutting the door of the kingdom in people's faces. Like the church, we were given the keys to the kingdom of God. We were, we're given, we we're supposed to open the door to the kingdom, to this world, but instead we're shutting it in the faces of those who are seeking after God. Because so many non-believers want nothing to do with Jesus because of the church. We're doing this now. I mean, we're, we can read this passage and be like, oh, look at these Pharisees, these hypocrites. I'm not like them. And as soon as you start thinking that way, we, that's, that's probably because it's you. Like we are doing this. Because when we look at our lives, when people look at our lives, when the world looks at Christians or when your friends look at your life, do they see a difference between you and the rest of the world. Like people aren't dumb. They can sense that most of our lives are pretty much the same as theirs. We spend our time and our energy on ourselves, on our plans, on our pleasures. We spend our money on our house, fixing up our houses and our cars and our entertainment and fashion and our toys, instead of giving ourselves to those who are in need or investing into the kingdom of God right? We, we spend our time like playing video games and watching like content made by world, like just by sinful men. And we fill our hearts and our minds with the desires of the world. Like we don't keep our bodies pure. We don't even think about it. We, we do the same thing. We, we still like, you know, pollute ourselves with sexual immorality, right? Like we don't, we don't fight for purity. We get stressed over the same thing as the, as the rest of the world, even though Jesus says, don't get stressed over the things everyone else gets stressed over. But guys, why? what are you getting stressed about? It's the same stuff. What are you getting anxious about? What are you worried about? It's the same stuff as the world. And then we use the stress as an excuse to go get drunk or to go get high. And you're like, oh, I've, I was just so stressed this weekend. 
instead of bringing our stresses and our burdens to Jesus. Guys, the world is not dumb. They see us who call ourselves Christians and they see that we live and we like live for the same things as the world. And so therefore, we are not sons of God. We are acting like the sons of the devil and sons of hell. And that's exactly what Jesus calls these Pharisees. He's like, I know you can call yourself whatever you want. You can do all the religious things, but you are sons of hell. In Ephesians chapter two, verse one to three, it says, and you were, you were dead in the transgressions and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, that's the devil, and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we were by nature children of, of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Guys, some of us are still doing this, even though we were called out of this life. We're still just following the desires of our body and, and, you know, doing what we think is right instead of submitting ourselves to the word of God and to his commandments. And we are not acting like children of God, but we are still acting like children of hell. And the people around us who are looking at us or maybe even following after us are becoming children of hell as well. They're not becoming more like Christ. Imagine if like, Everyone, if every Christian lived their life the way you lived your life, would that make the world more like the kingdom or less? I mean, that's a scary thought. Like some of you are like, I don't want anyone to live like me. I don't want anyone to follow Christ like I would. Then, then there's a problem. We might have been running around. We might be running around making false converts, just like the Pharisees did. With, when we live a hypocritical gospel, you know, like we're telling people, oh, just, yeah, just come to church, you know, just and, and pray a prayer and then boom, you're saved. You don't have to surrender. You don't have to change. You don't have to commit, but we're making sons of hell. And now they, they, it's harder to reach them. And judgment is coming for hypocrites who claim that they believe, but we don't, but don't live, live it out. It's coming for the Pharisees and it's coming for us who, who do the same. And that's why Jesus is saying to us today, woe to you. Woe, what sorrow awaits for those who do this? Here's the thing. The word woe is not just a verdict of judgment, but it's also an expression of sorrow. As I want you to hear this. The word woe is an emotional word. It's also a word that conveys like so much regret and, and compassion. Like Jesus, as he's saying like this, that to the Pharisees, judgment is coming. He is not excited about this. He is not exulting in the punishment that is going to come to religious uh, hypocrites. He doesn't rejoice over this. God does not rejoice over this. Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 11. This is what God says. Say to them, as I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked man turn from his way and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil ways. For why will you die, O house of Israel? Guys, do you not realize God hearts, his heart breaks over this. His judgment must come because he's a just God but he does not desire to punish the wicked. He wants no one to perish, but he will not ignore that justice. So what, what's God to do? He, he must punish the wicked and the, and, the, and the hypocrisy 
But then he also, his heart breaks over doing this. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son as a sacrifice, as a substitutional sacrifice to receive the punishment of God that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's what God did. Do you know like who he wrote, he was speaking to when, when he was said this verse, you guys know who he was talking to. He was like talking to a man named Nicodemus who was a Pharisee. John three sixteen is literally the heart of God for the salvation of the world. And he gave it to a Pharisee. God loves the Pharisees. And the reason why Jesus is saying is rebuking them and warning them saying, woe to you, judgment is coming because he's trying to save them right now. Some of us, we're so afraid to call out sin in the lives of other people. or We're, we're afraid to tell people that God's wrath is coming because like, you know, because I don't know, we're, we're afraid of offending them. But Jesus loves people too much to be afraid of that. He will tell them that wrath is coming and he's warning them. And he's trying to save them. Like in the next, in the rest of this chapter, God is going to, Jesus is going to say to the Pharisees over, woe to you, woe to you. And he's going to rip into them. He's doing it because he's trying to save them. He's trying to warn them so that they can turn and repent and that they could live. He's trying to save us right now. He's trying to say to you, it's not too late. Have you been living in hypocrisy? Have you claimed to be a follower of Jesus your whole life, but you haven't been following him? Maybe lately, maybe for years. God loves you. He died for you. He died for prostitutes, tax collectors, and he died for Pharisees and hypocrites like us. People who grew up religious but never lived it out, guess what? He died for you. And he's waiting for the Pharisees, these sons of hell, to be turned into sons of God. It says in Galatians, for you are all sons of God through faith in, in Christ Jesus. Do you know who wrote that? A Pharisee named Paul, who came to know the Lord, who was once a son of, of hell, who Jesus saved and turned him into a son of God. Paul, who probably went around converting people to Judaism, now became the greatest missionary that converts people into children of God. Guys, we need to come before Jesus today. What, he's not calling us to call out other to look around and be like, oh, look, you're, that's a hypocrite. That's a hypocrite. Oh, you must be talking about Jimmy over there. He's a hypocrite. Oh, you must be talking about those Republicans. They're hypocrites. Or those Democrats, they're hypocrites. He's not telling us to go and point our fingers at other people calling them hypocrites. He's pointing at us. And he's saying, look at the hypocrisy in you. Look, find the Pharisee in your heart because it is us. No one is allowed to call anyone else a hypocrite except for Jesus, because Jesus is the only one that can call someone a hypocrite and not be a hypocrite himself. We are not called to call others hypocrites because we can't say that without being hypocritical ourselves. You guys know what I'm saying? In the New Testament, the word hypocrite is used 18 times and 17 times they're used by Jesus and no one else. 
And the only time the word hypocrite is used is used to describe a hypocritical act. But only is Jesus allowed to call someone else a hypocrite because he can say that without being one himself. So guys, the, the message of this passage is not so that we can go out and start pointing out hypocrisy and calling other people hypocrites. It's Jesus saying, look at yourself. You who are so sure of your position in God and think that you're so righteous and think that you're better than other people, turn around and look into your heart and, and, and humble yourself before the Lord and say, Lord, is this me? What parts of my life Am I not conforming to, to your commands? What are the things that I'm saying I believe? What are the parts that I'm not following you on? And ask the Lord today, what should I do? Some of you might have been calling yourselves Christians your whole life, but your life has been so similar to the rest of the world. Hear the voice of Jesus today. He's saying, I have been waiting for you, my son, my daughter, this whole time. Come and start following me for real. Let go of your pride. Let go of your religion and follow me. Actually start to follow me. Woe to the Pharisees in all of us. And so guys, let's not try to keep rules today. Let's humbly come before the Lord humble ourselves and realize that he, Jesus loves us. He loves Pharisees and hypocrites like us. And I know maybe some of us have, or all of us are. Let's repent of that today. Ask the Holy Spirit. I, like, I didn't have put a lot of specifics and call things out specifically. I want you to ask the Lord Ask the Holy Spirit today to reveal the parts of your life that you are being hypocritical about. Maybe it's your whole life. Who knows? Maybe it's just a couple areas of your life. But ask him to reveal that and then get on your knees today and say, Jesus, like I surrender to you. I want to follow you. Uh, help me to open the door to the kingdom for people around me. May I stop shutting it in people's faces. And um, yeah, let's do that right now. Let's take a moment, David. Um, I'll give you a play, you know, play for us for a minute while we have a time to pray and to repent today.
as we're praying, um, I want you to ask the Lord because one of the things that made the Pharisees hypocrites was that was a lack of action that matched their beliefs. There's some of us that have not been acting upon a commandment of Jesus that he's either been putting on your heart for a while or maybe he just gave it to you today and that you know is right, but you've been putting it off or you know something you need to stop doing or something you need to start doing or someone you need to reach out to or I don't know, something that or maybe something you've been struggling with, but you just haven't acted upon. I want you to submit that to the Lord this week and say, Lord, no more hesitation. May I stop being a hypocrite about this and just commit it onto the Lord this week, this day. Don't hesitate. The day of the Lord is coming. So don't hesitate. Take action today. Just take a couple seconds and whatever that is, just lay it before him and commit it to the Lord. For listening to the Han Vision Podcast, we hope you were blessed. Join us next week on Han Vision.